0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to different creative people, and this week I am talking to actor, writer, director, producer Peter Page. He's one of the creators of the ABC family show The Fosters. You also know him as Emmett on Queer as Folk. And we had a really great chat, which I'll get to in a minute. But first... Uh, I want to encourage you to visit DennisAnyone.net. You can do lots of fun things there, including sign up for my newsletter. You can uh, kick a little into my virtual chip jar to help me keep the podcast free. Uh, I appreciate uh, anything you do there. And sometimes there's fun pictures that go with the podcast that I post there. All kinds of stuff. So thank you for that. And if you want to like Dennis Anyone on Facebook, that would be awesome. I also want to apologize for being a little irregular This month, in more ways than one, if you know what I'm saying. No, um, a couple of uh, different subjects fell through, and also there was one person that I did the interview, but they wanted me to hold it to tie into a specific event, so I'm doing that. So, I haven't forgotten about you. I love doing this, and um, thanks for hanging in there. And now, without any further ado, here's Peter Page. Okay, hey there, I am on the Warner Brothers lot in the office of Peter Page on the Fosters, and uh, you're one of the executive producers. You're also the actor that we love from Queer Folk, and um, a lot of other different things. And first of all, this office is like being on Mysteria Lane it's like a house it's a house it's, it's a, house a house with
1: an office inside yeah and, and as you will hear a thousand times an hour when the tour buses go by this used to be western town okay and then they realized they don't make westerns anymore and they asked they asked tv showrunners and filmmakers what do they need what would they want and they said they wanted an upscale new england or midwestern town and so that is what we got so they never shot in these houses like shots they, they just asked you guys what look you would want and you, they, uh, they, well, they ask producers what, yeah, what right. they, what they thought they needed more, most on the right. lot, and so that's what they do, and you know, tons of Heart of Dixie was shot here. Um, I'm, since we've been here, that's been the one that right. is the most kind of prevalently shot here. I'm trying to think what else has shot here. Uh, uh, Pretty Little Liar shoots here uh, on the street. Um, yeah, but it does not so. look like Hollywood offices. It's like, it's, like no, I kept it's waiting. Adorable. And you look out my window the, and there's like a giant mountain yes. and little cute little houses. You have no idea where you are.
0: Yeah, you're waiting for, you know, one of the desperate mm-hmm. housewives to come and, and throw some... Um, problems around. Um, You are one of the executive producers of The Foster. What season are we in?
1: We are are in season three. We just, I literally delivered the finale of, of the first half of season three, the mid-season finale for season three uh, to the network yesterday. I so. love it. You had a
0: gay prom recently. We did. With Matt Albers singing, who's one of my favorite singers. Mm. I happen to know him a little bit. And it's so sweet and beautiful. I know. I'm so proud of that. I was watching it going, holy smoke, we've come a long way. Haven't we? Don't, do you feel proud. that
1: way creating it? Being oh, yeah, it? absolutely. Are you kidding? I, I got to put the youngest same-sex kiss in American television history on TV. Wow.
0: Like, you know, I, I love I, how And it. they're like, They're like teenagers. They're like teenagers. The characters are thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, amazing. So, I, yeah, it's incredible. It's and it's it wasn't, been, and
1: the earth didn't crash. Nobody. It's felt. the most feedback we've gotten, though. It's the most negative feedback yeah. we've gotten. People, gay and straight. There were the, there were all the your perverts, pedophiles, you're disgustings. But there were what I was surprised by were the gay people were like, "Why are you doing that? You're making us seem bad. Yeah. They're too young to be sexualized." And I was like, "It was the the most chaste kiss you've ever seen."
0: And if they were straight,
1: and it wouldn't be a deal. In the same episode, the right. same episode. They they ha- we have um Connor making out with his girlfriend. Right. Making out on against the street. No, literally not a person mentioned it. Yeah. And then we have these two give the, 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 this this beautiful tiny chaste kiss and people lost their minds. And it, it was so it was it was fascinating. I, you know, I was an actor on Queer as Folk. I created the Fosters with my writing producing partner Bradley Bredeweg, and we every time we've put something out there we've been prepared for backlash like a queer Folk they they warned everyone at Showtime about bomb threats yeah they were like ready for it you know it was wow. the year 2000 and they were like this could go really bad um, but, uh, and, and with the fosters, they were like, don't, you know, don't read anything. Don't worry. We at the network are prepared for, for, um, you know, uh, backlash and so, so we like, oh, okay, but then it didn't come. There was right. barely anything. There was a little, little blip in the queer's folk days, a little blip in the fosters, but nothing really manifested. So I was unprepared for this. I hadn't really, I was so invested in the psychological stories and the, the, the real beauty of watching these young boys, Start to to come to terms with who they are. Right. That and I was so proud of the way that we've told those stories. We've told them so um, delicately and so sensitively and so, with such integrity. I think, and that so I was completely unprepared. Right. For, you would
0: really tried. You really thought about all of this. Oh and my and god! Of absolutely. Course, we like did. you would.
1: Absolutely, we did. It's one of the the things I'm most proud of on the show.
0: When did it? it when did it air? Because I I I, I watched them and you know when did all yeah. this go down?
1: Um, the Kiss was the middle to end of last season of season yeah. two, so yeah. I can't remember. I can't. I can't right. remember. We started airing in January, so it would have been. So probably it's been a while. March it could have April. blown over. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Awesome. So. And d- how did did you react? Because I know you're pretty active on social media.
1: I did. It, I. You know. I. I. I D- despite my um, strong desire to reply to people who called me, you know, pervert and a pedophile, with things like "the only crime here is that suit you're wearing," right. um, uh, I did not. I just, I just took the sort of Buddhist route and just blocked, just blocked right. people. Send it out. Just nope, not, not going to engage. Not going to engage. I did, though, take on some of the gay people. Those yeah, were the people I, mean, I was that's more. That's a bit
0: surprising.
1: Well, I, you know, even but they, not. Had, they had me on like HuffPost Live, for example. They have yeah. queer voices or something, yeah. and they. Um, and, and the host was like, so this is so, you know, salacious, like you had two young boys. And I said, can we reframe that? That question, can we... If they were straight,
0: nobody would care.
1: Nobody would care. And I said, said, if there's nothing... We need to be the same as straight people, period. We need to stop apologizing. We need to stop pretending that gay adults weren't gay kids. Yes. It doesn't make us pedophiles to admit that we were gay kids and that we were struggling with sexuality. And and we wanted to go to the prom and we had crushes. And and we wanted
0: that kiss behind the playground.
1: Yes. Yes. So um, I think it's incredibly important work.
0: I really admire that you're kind of a... You're kind of a shit caller. You you speak out for what you think, and even on that queerest folk panel that I heard recently, the fifteenth anniversary, you kind of were. You're provocative, and it, really? It really, yeah, I thought, or <laughs> I just thought like honest, but like you were. I thought there was, I think it, there was a
1: reference to like out act, actors coming out way oh, later. Yeah, that was one that wasn't great. I that I I am not I'm, not, I'm not proud of that. I know what you're talking about, but I am not I don't even super, remember
0: who it was in reference I, to, but it was as somebody I who did. was out the whole time in their career. It was a bit of a dig at people that like played it safe until they were loaded or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, that was fun. That was sassy. I liked it." <laughs> I, I that was that was a little bit of a cheap shot. That was one that I it is it is a feeling that I generally keep to myself. But right. I do um, I, you know, I have a frustration with people who kind of want to have it both ways. Yes. That's, that's, that, that, that bothers Here's me. my
0: thing. If you come out a long time into a career, you have to start with, um, West Covina Pride. That's where you don't get the cover of The Advocate right away. You don't get the glamorous photo shoot. You call gay bingo. You have to do a little time
1: in the trenches. Love how it happens. No,
0: you're like, it's Anderson and Cooper, and he's our man of the year. Yeah, he's yeah. been out for 15 minutes. Yeah. He's not even, you know, you should I have know. to. Um, you just have to earn it. You should more. have to, like,
1: Look, crew on the Yates ride for a day. I, it's interesting because I have more sympathy for people who are on different journeys like I have I have a lot of sympathy for Caitlyn Jenner yeah for just you know despite the fact that she's been a lifelong Republican and has a pretty abhorrent record in terms of like social progression right um you know, I I have sympathy that it took her until now to be able to own her own journey and to share it with the rest of us. And I respect a lot how she's navigating it And now. she seems
0: to really want to make a difference for, for agreed. people. Like, she's agreed. all, she seems all about that. I yeah. agreed,
1: And I'm really respecting the choices she's yeah. making at this moment in time. I did love
0: that moment in the interview with Diane Sawyer where she's like, uh, where he's like, I'm a Republican. And she, he kind of gestures to his nice house. It right. was so telling. That was right. the most, like eyebrow-raising moment of the whole thing
1: for me. Oh, 100%. I was more horrified that he came out as a Republican than that he... Than and owned, than that sort of like, Look at as, my nice stuff. ...as trans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, but... Uh, but So I have more sympathy for that than I have <clears throat> to my own brethren. Yeah. And that's that's unfair of me. I think people... You know, it is it is when you feel safe enough, empowered enough to do what you're going to do. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do it early on. I mean, I you you know, Randy Harrison and I were the only two op- the only two gay members of the cast. In I remember the, in the first because season.
0: I first met you when I went to do the Advocate story. Oh, right. For uh, the cover for Queer's Folk before it aired, and it was all of that. You know, as a writer, you're like, okay, who's out? Who's in? Who's what? Who's you know what I yeah. mean? And and. um and you guys were were awesome. And well,
1: Randy and I looked at each other because because the PR came to us and said, "Listen, you don't have to come out. You don't have to answer any questions. They're going to be asked, but right. you can just oh, 'Oh, I'd rather not comment.' Or da 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 da." And Randy and I looked at each other, and we were like, "Are we really going to be on a show called Queer as Folk and then be like apologetic about our sexuality? Like that right. just doesn't make sense. That doesn't jive with either one of us." So we were looked at each other. And we we're like, "No, we'll 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 disclose." Did you did that bond
0: you guys in a way in terms of the, the media Everything stuff that
1: came? Yeah. bonded us. I, we were... Yeah. we. It, the thing about doing five years on a TV show with anybody, you know, we we all really loved each other. We're, everyone there across. is like fundamentally good people. That and comes across. We have been through something. Entirely unique, entirely specific. I mean, sure, other people had TV shows shows that went five years. But the exact trajectory of that show, of the politics and social justice, of the huge amount of attention that it got in the first season that then tapered off, of the sort of like, you know, we 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 got mobbed at the end of season one. They they there was a, a DVD signing we did at Tower Records. They were lined up four blocks down Sunset. That like must it have was been fun. It was insane. They literally said, "Well, we're going to have to do what we did with Madonna. We're going to have to br- we have to bring you down." That you the elevator. title of this podcast. I always <laughs> <a> quote, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> um, "You know they they <laughs> the they, they, had, they were like." They're so like, we're going to throw you in the store, we're going to take you downstairs, we're going to get you in your limos, and get you out the door before anyone knows you've even been gone. But we want it, But because so many hundreds of people didn't get make it inside for the signing, we're going to bring you guys out on the steps before. You remember the steps in the Tower Records on. Um, I just at, love uh, thinking about five. Tower Records, yes. Remember that? that Was the, it the Virgin or floor? Tower? It was Tower at the time, I think, or was it Virgin? I don't remember. Virgin was the one so. in
0: the Crunch uh, Sundance complex. Okay, yes, yes. yes. So I mean, it was Virgin because Tower was, was on Virgin. down on Sunset. No, no,
1: you're right. It was Virgin. But Virgin, but it had that two the, the yes. steps that went up, and they put us. They they lined security up all along the edges, like holding hands, and they brought us all out. And the fans rushed the stage, rushed oh my the platform, god, that's and amazing. was screaming and crying. It was like I really was like, oh my god, we're the Beatles? Like that's oh my god, who so knew cool. were the we're the the gay Beatles? Um, and then. You know, and then it just, then it tapered off. That's and what it happens with shows. That, then the it hardcore. becomes a show that keeps going. It has, yeah. has a nice following, and we do have some of the most amazing fans in the world. But, um, but the, the, the exact kind of trajectory of that journey yeah. is something only the nine of us will ever understand. Right. And it has bonded us for life. I really do. I will love every one of those people until the day I die.
0: I think it's beautiful. Does it, it's been 15 years, does it feel like a million years ago or yesterday?
1: Both. Yeah, absolutely both. I mean, I, I look back at like that boy with that waist and in those orange leather pants, and just think like, oh my god, I can't believe I ever pulled that off. Um, <laughs> I, I made a gesture, but it was um, Emmett. Uh, uh, it was Emmett. When well, no, it was Emmett, full stop. I it know was that, that, I'm not, stop. it wasn't yeah. Peter. It was Emmett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I can't believe that I I, I yeah. did that, but. Um, and then at the same time, it just feels like a blink of an eye. I just can't believe it feels like just yesterday I was in Toronto shooting the finale, and here we It's been ten years. Yeah. It's been ten years since the show went off the air. It's just mind-blowing. We're, we're 50 episodes into The Fosters. That's amazing. Time goes 50, fast. I, I, 50. I, again, Again, it feels like a, you know three hours ago that the network called and said, okay, we're going to send you to series. I love it. Um, what do you love about Emmett?
0: What did he teach you? Because he was I, I, out there in a way... I, out there in a way.
1: I love... There's a lot I love about Emmett. And a lot I learned from him. Uh, from playing him. I... Um, the thing I hung my hat on. The thing that got me the job. And the reason I think Emmett became, you know, a, an important part of that show. Is that in the pilot, I read it. And there was this kind of undercurrent that I had never seen before. Which is, here is an effeminate gay man who actually likes himself. And I thought that was fucking revolutionary. Yeah. I thought that was fucking mind-blowing. Because up until then, the more effeminate you were, the more likely you were to die. And if you weren't going to die, at the very least, you had to hate yourself. Yeah. You were going to get sick. You were going to get AIDS. You right. were going to... You had to... There had to be some tragedy. You, you had to be bashed, the butt of a joke. You had to get bashed. You had to be a victim or the butt of a joke. Yeah. And I thought, this is amazing. And then, the, as I sort of picked up on that and articulated that, the writers, to their credit, it was, you know... Creating a, a character on a TV show is this amazing game of, like, hot potato almost, where you're just, like, throwing this thing back and forth, and you're molding it each a little bit every time, every time, right? It's the writers to the actors, the actor to the writer, you know, they, they write these words. You do something with it. They go, oh that wasn't exactly what it was in my head, but I like it, and I'm, I'm responding to that, and I want to write for that. Yeah. I want to write for that color. I used to, you know, Emmett was designed to be, and, and Denaron the executive producers, to their credit, they fully own this. They they share this story, too. Right. He was designed to be like a quippy queen on the sidelines. He was basically there to be a Greek chorus, being snarky and commenting on other people's right. um, storylines. And very, and, and I sort of the relentlessness of the jokes that they wrote for him. I would take a joke and like turn it. I would take, I would like crack a joke, crack a joke. And then I would take the third one and make it a a real moment about friendship or something like that. Like I would just take these things and do just a little something with them. And uh, this is not, I I, I don't want to lionize my own contribution, but it was so important to me that he be a real person that I was constantly like, you know, they were like, we want you to be really flamboyant. And I was like, I'll be as flamboyant as you want, but I'm not sleeping in a nightie. Right. I'm gonna sleep in sweatpants because <laughs> that's what real people do, Yeah. right? And so I was like, exactly. every time you want to see me in like a yeah. see-through, yeah. you know, like a I don't have a parasol. Pants. Like, I don't have a parasol. <laughs> Which, literally, by the way, the first costume designer—I'm not exaggerating—her her rendering had a parasol, <laughs> and I was like, mm, okay, we. I went to and I was like, where do we does have a one problem. Even get a parasol? We have a Chinatown. Yeah, um, we had a problem. <laughs> um, uh, but it worked so, out. But it all it all worked out. And to their credit, they, they sort of saw what I did, and they started to write for that. And then they came to me while we were still filming the pilot, and they said, We didn't think we were going to get an actor for this. We thought we'd get a snarky queen. Right. And we're going to write for you. We get it. We see what oh, you're doing. That must be so heartening. Oh, my God. so gratifying. And it helped me get through. They'd already written, like, eight scripts. So it helped me get through those eight scripts, knowing that they... That what was coming down the pike was going to be something a little more three dimensional, deeper. Yeah, yeah, just deeper. What was something that you
0: got in a script and you're like, "Oh shit, how do I make this work?" Either it was really intense dramatically, or it was uh, there were there numerous broke your heart was, about
1: the character, or uh, all of the above. The every every time you open the script, you're like, "Oh, oh God, I have to be naked this week." Yeah. Uh, why did I? Why did I eat that sushi? Right. Why did I have that rice? Oh why God, I'm a bad one person. Piece of bread, yeah. yeah. Not even. I didn't. I really didn't eat yeah. carbohydrates of any kind for five years, and yeah. that's the God's honest truth. You think they don't make them in Canada? Canada you think they I don't actually have, have them. Them there no, no I know that they do <laughs> I don't know where I found that discipline I think it was just the terror of being yeah. the, the, being the fat one on on queer as folk right um uh but when Emmett tried to go straight that was when I was like oh wow that's that's this is this is a total reversal of what I've built this character on right and but I did think they had they gave me a springboard Right. they gave me this HIV scare which as we all know right. brings out utter and complete bargaining with God. Right. I mean, we've all been there, right? We've right. all um, had those, you know, going and finally going in for the test, going, please, God, please, God, please, God. Yeah. just don't, if this is just, if as long as this is fine, I'll never do this and I'll never do that and I'll never right. do this. So I thought they'd at least given me a springboard that I had to really bounce on. Like yeah, I had right. to really lay down on that one. And so I got enough air to yeah. actually go into these rooms where I was trying to be straight. Right. Um, and I'm super proud of that. I think one of the most beautiful moments in the entire five years of the series is the speech that Ted gives to Emmett. Right. At that story about every, you know, God made if if God is perfect and you know, you're perfect if, if God's perfect then you must be perfect the way he made you and, right. and that includes every every faggot. You know, it's really an incredible speech. So I'm proud of that story. Um the the Crystal Meth story with Ted. Yeah, that was intense. Oh it was it was and that Scott, was kind of
0: at the beginning of the scourge. Yeah. Yes, it was early yeah. on in the scourge
1: for sure. Yeah,
0: but it was a, it was really starting. I, I yeah. think that was great that they did that.
1: Me too. And as someone who later lived that story, yeah. later had a relationship with someone who who became a crystal meth addict, I how startlingly real and and right it was mm-hmm. was revealed to me. I was like, I'm so You're sad I'm holy living shit, this, but I'm... holy shit, we did this right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, this is. Am I on the set? What's that? Mm-hmm. yeah? That must the, have been intense. The
1: hardest thing about that was that Scott. Lowell was it was my best friend up there. And we really kept each other sane. Mm-hmm. We really used each other. We would just sort of say, "You're hey, boo, you're good, you're good, I got yeah. you, you know, what do you need? And we just really took care of each other. And in that storyline, we couldn't. Yeah, We needed to be separated. We couldn't rely on each other and do what we had you to do on screen. You were trying to kind of help, help so, support that dynamic. Yes, so we had to, yeah. and yeah. And so doing the most difficult work we'd ever done... We didn't have our usual support system. Right. So, I forgetting.
0: thought of Queerest Folk a bit when Looking got canceled. Because mm-hmm. I liked Looking very much. Me too. But every gay person had an opinion about it. Yes. And I thought if all of those people with opinions were actually watching it, it wouldn't have gotten, un- gotten <laughs> canceled. In other words, we feel the need to opine about stuff that we haven't really even watched. Like we have to, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to issue my statement now. Like we <laughs> all feel like we have to issue a statement when the gay show does something yeah. and gets canceled. I don't know what it's about. It's, uh, maybe it's jealousy that it's not my show, or I'm not in the I mix, think, or...
1: I, I think a slightly more generous characterization of that <laughs> impulse, having <laughs> thought about that a lot from five years on Chris' as Folk Right, because everybody
0: had an opinion on your I, show.
1: I see it on the Fosters, too. Yeah. Is... We are so starved for images of ourselves. And right. it's, and it, things are better now, but they're still, right. it's still, you know, it's still hard to find full and complex, you know, yeah. characterizations of, of gay people. We're so starved that we are so hard on them. Right, And that the minute they veer, even the slightest bit yeah. off of the, the lane that we have prescribed for our vision of our lives or our vision for gay people or the way, we, whether we're supposed to be assimilationist or we're supposed to be radical or where, whatever it is, whatever it is we've hung our hat on, the minute that show veers off of that course, right. even even just for an episode or a moment, we are done. Yeah, Well, it's bullshit. Right. I don't know anyone like that. I don't see I don't, myself I don't, well, you, I, don't I don't see yourself, yourself in Steel Magnolias here's an amazing story. <laughs> that you do <laughs> here's an amazing story a guy I'm in the sauna at a spa that, that will remain unnamed that happens okay. to also be in the same plaza where the Virgin Records got is. it I'm on I'm and, on, I'm there and um, a guy there is like showing me his junk and right. like hey man why don't you come back to my place with me I right. got some really good coke right, right. He's, and I was like I'm dude I'm really good I'm just here to get a massage I'm, thank you but I'm right. good I'm good and he's like and so then a few minutes later somebody comes into the the steam room and recognizes me and right. is like hey you're that guy from queers folk da, da, da. yeah well cranky pants mr cokehead yeah. is like is like uh you were not you're on queers folk and he's like I was like yeah and he was like I hated that show and I was like okay i fine I, I mean I hear that and he was like I just you know I just didn't believe it it's like there's nobody like that brian kinney guy in the whole world nobody's like that and I was I'm like, like y- you are like that <laughs> you you are brian kinney you are brian kinney you're a sex-obsessed, drug-addled antihero, if yeah. you're an antihero. If, yeah, if, 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 you, if have you have a moral compass at all, then, Ryan, then you are Brian King. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. Very fascinating. Very How long telling. ago? Uh, that was well, a while. Like, back in the day. That was ten years ago yeah. or more.
0: Now, uh, more about the Fosters. Yes. You um, you have a, a, a crea- creative creating writing partner. Yes, in in Bradley, and what's his last name with a B? Bredewig. And you're Peter Page. You did you guys in logo B-B-A-B-B-B. and doing your logo? Did you play around? No, with No,
1: our company is called Blazing Elm. Okay, and uh, we yeah no we we did not do that. But we and ironically, the woman who who runs the Fosters with us, Joanna Johnson, is JJ. So we're so we're PP BB and JJ, and so we're PB and JJ as well. I love it. Right? We just amazing. yes, it's yes, meant to be.
0: And Jennifer Lopez was is
1: in the mix. Is... She's a, she's an executive producer on the show. Uh, um, favorite J Lo memory? Um, she had this is a really amazing story. She had us all over to dinner to celebrate getting picked up to series. Um, she flew the chef in from New York. Like and you do, you, like you do, like one does. It was just a very casual, just ten yeah. of us, um, and we you know sat in her backyard and had a really beautiful, like real, real. Real evening with her, like it was just, it was really lovely. It was that's really awesome. that's that's my favorite memory. Of Is her, she sure. involved day to day very much? No, she's not involved day to day very yeah. much. She's she's fantastic, and but she's she a must huge be really proud of it. supporter and advocate of the show. She's yeah. just been an amazing, amazing cheerleader for the show. And um, early on, of course, they were they were more creatively involved with the, sort of the pilot and casting yeah. and things like that. That was really important to her was the casting.
0: How did you guys connect? How did you, um, your company connect? with We
1: them? had the, the the guy who was running development for her at the time we brought them the show. Had had We developed a movie for him at another company. Right. And he called us up one day and said, I need some quality television. What do you guys have? And we sort of thought, well, we have a lot. What do we need J-Lo for? Right. And we'd, we'd want to do this show for a long time, but people had really poo-pooed it. People had, even our agents, who, who, whom I love and who are brilliant, had been like, it sounds like a great show. I don't think anyone's going to make it, guys. So maybe we we'll put, our, put right. our eggs in other baskets. And we thought, well, if we could attach someone like A J Lo to this, we probably have a much better chance of getting it on the air somewhere, and that proved to be true. So,
0: what is it about the the foster child system or this world that drew you to it?
1: Well, we kind of reverse engineered the show, to be honest, or or not reverse engineered, uh, engineered it differently. I'll say we. Brad and I every year would sort of sit down and go, okay, what do we want to do? What are, what are the pilots we're going to develop? What are the shows? What are we interested and excited about? And we both felt like there was such a dearth of family dramas on the air. And we both loved them. We grew up watching them. Right. You know, some of our favorite shows are family dramas. And we were like, all right, well, then what's our version of a family drama? What would we do? And we talked about doing a two-dad show for me to maybe act in. Right. You know, um, and, and then we were sort of like, eh, it's being handled in, largely in the comedy space, but it was really being handled between Modern Family and Glee right. and The New Normal was, uh, was on the air at that time. And right. so we were like, I, it seems like that's being done, but you know what is really not being handled and what is such a fact of our lives and right. so present in the world around us is a two mom family. Right. I don't know a lesbian couple and I'm being sincere here that isn't either doesn't, doesn't have kids. Or is trying to have kids or plans to have kids I right. don't know one right and it just seems so obvious like holy shit why isn't this why isn't this being portrayed on television right and uh, so we were like boom in done that's what I want to do and then w- the second question that, that follows is how do they create their family right and we talked about bio you know biology adoption fostering and sort of decided to cram a lot of it in have you has the show become sort
0: of a, a landmark thing in the in the foster world? Do other foster kids reach out? Is it
1: has it become a their, boat? their show? I yeah. think so. I mean I don't I don't want to speak for them. Well there I, aren't I,
0: other shows. You know what that, I mean? So I so much as some show's gonna do it.
1: People were very nervous. Foster advocates were very nervous about yeah. the show at first because they Foster kids are almost always portrayed as bad seeds yeah. in entertainment. It's, almost, it's sort of the, the trope that's been done. And um, I think they've been very, very happy to see a, a, a show where the foster kids are the heroes. Yeah. And where they're having to navigate the real challenges. And they are very real, the challenges of the system.
0: It's hard to get a show on the air, let alone to run and to, and to do well. And are you, When did you realize this could last
1: a while? I have this weird thing where I believe everything is gonna go. That is so great. I want to I transfer like it. it into me. I have this weird I, thing I where it just, I just, just breathe think, into my mouth. I like, just think like, well, this is amazing. <sighs> why wouldn't people want to watch it? Like, right. I just, you know what I mean. I and mean, that doesn't mean giant hit, but I, I knew it about Queer as Folk. Right. I knew we were gonna go last. Yeah. And um, and I had the same feeling about The Fosters. As soon as we got the call that we were going to series, I thought like, all right, we're gonna have a good chance. And I will tell you, the network. I don't know that they'll admit this, um, and this is said with a, tons of love. I adore our network, and they've been incredible to us. But they had they they picked up two shows, three shows the year that three dramas the year that we got we we went to series, and we were definitely the bastard child. Yeah. They were they were like, well, we love this show creatively. Good luck, yeah. You know what I we'll mean? See. Like we'll see. Yeah. And they had this other show that that didn't that 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 they were really invested in. They thought for sure it was their surefire right. hit, and we're still here, and they're not. What I love about your show is it's a show about people in the world because yeah, everything
0: now has to be scandalized. Everybody has to have a and we do that. I mean, I, a moment, know. but nobody's suddenly a murderer. Right. Nobody, you know what I mean? It's you, you. I'm sure you try to have those moments that'll get people talking and we, all of that. We absolutely within your. We are universe. a soap opera.
1: Right. We are a soap. You need drama. You know right. and and you know when we're we. We have to burn a certain amount of story to keep right. our audience um, attentive. Right. That's just the nature of this generation and the storytelling they've grown up with, the amount of information that they process in a given second. Right. Um, because they're all screens all the time. You know what I mean? There's a lot of reasons. But yeah. we have to burn quite a bit of story. But we try to make sure that that other than the sort of accelerated, compressed timeline, that everything is based in a reality. It's right. based in... This has really happened or could really happen to someone we know. Yeah. You know? That's almost all our stories are generated that way.
0: As an actor, when you were on Queer As Folk, did you always have an eye toward... I know you you made mm-hmm. the film Say Uncle. Did you always have an eye toward, I want to also write and produce and direct and
1: do everything? I, I decided I wanted to be an actor when I was six. Yeah. And I think... That it was because I didn't know words like writer and director. Right. I didn't know what those things were. When, when you would come over to my house for a play date, I would... Which I would have loved to do, by the way. We would have had... Oh, my God. Queen, we would have had the best <laughs> time. I would write a play. Okay. And, like, I would be like, okay, you go over there and you say this. And yeah. I will come over there and I will say this. And then we will go over there and we'll right. say this. And I would... Then we would perform it for my parents and charge them a quarter. And that was what we did. And That's it was really... Insane. And there really wasn't even, like, a... It was, there wasn't another plan. Yeah. It was always putting on a show of some kind. Right. And I thought that was being an actor. Right. And I did have a performer's need for approval and applause. Right. But as I got older and I started to work that out of my system. Right. And that got less and less prevalent. The, the real impulse behind why I got into the business and what I think is important about the business. Right. Is that I think stories matter. I think the stories we tell ourselves matter. Mm-hmm. And we, for whatever reason, we as a culture have chosen the television as the truth. That is, the television might as well be the Bible. Right. And we believe what we see on TV. And it doesn't matter if it's scripted, if it's false reality TV. If it's news or faux news or Fox News. It doesn't matter what it is. When we see it on television, we have chosen to believe it. We, We are not suspicious of it. We accept it. Right. And having been an actor on Queer as Folk... Um, I, I saw firsthand that it mattered, that it changed people, that we were reaching people in their underwear, scratching their asses week after week after week after week, and that that started to affect what they believed about gay people and what they believed about themselves. Right. And so... Anyway, so that so that's the bigger sort of uh, architecture of, of of me believing that social justice and entertainment are can be inextricably linked, and that's certainly that's a thought. Brad's in my mission statement for Blazing Elm is to tell stories, no matter the media, of some social significance. Like whatever you're doing, make sure it matters. Make sure there's a riv- a river running through everything, no matter how dumb and diver- diverting it seems. That that is of relevance. I get that's it. a conversation during Queer as Folk. It, I. I, I had an axe to grind. I graduated from acting school. I I was, I was felt like I had all this talent and I was really smart and I should be working and I wasn't. And I, I was determined not to be the guy who quit or the guy who failed. So I needed to achieve a certain level of success as an actor because I had since six years old hung my self-worth right. on that identity. Right. And when I finally got Queer as Folk, it was really probably end of first season because that was the the first season you're you're like so invested in the creative process you're like really creating the character every day you're like you know what I mean you're the amount of creative energy you're putting into it is really exhausting at least it was for me then once that was sort of natural and I could just kind of I had him in me and I could right. pull at him much much more easily I realized like oh there's a frustration here for me which is that I'm not authoring this the storytelling in a right. more in a more literal way and so um, that, that began... That was the seed that eventually became The Fosters, really.
0: When you first started going out and pitching and things like that, did the fact that you were an actor affect the way you, you were perceived in those executive suites or anything?
1: Um, I th- honestly, I think it did me a world of Good. good. Because... Because I'm a really dynamic pitcher, I'm a big, I, right. I acted you. are good in the room, as they I say. I, I go, I'm good in the room. I acted out, I'll, I'll laugh, I'll cry, right. I'll, Brad, my, my partner, who's brilliant, hates to pitch. Right. So he's like, literally, like, the best thing that ever happened is that I got hooked up with an actor. Where did you meet so, Brad? Um, I met Brad during the Say Uncle process. We were, okay. we were looking for finishing funds for a film. He was working in development, had some access to money. He loved the movie, wanted to help me you know, put it together. It ended up falling apart at the 11th hour, but we had made this connection, this kind of creative connection. That's awesome. And a couple of years later, we didn't stay in contact. A couple of years later, he quit that job. And as he tells the story, he walked out the door and thought, I'm going to call Peter Page and see if I'll have coffee with me. I love it. And he says to this day, I don't know why I did it. Where'd but, you have coffee? Um, I don't remember. That's weird. I remember that maybe toast. Yeah, toast is good. Could have been toast. I support toast. Could have been toast. I'm I can't. Support I can't that.
0: quite remember, but um Alright. You've got to get back to work, but you picked some fun questions from the observation gig. Okay, yes. Let me see if I have anything in it about here that I that I wanted to ask, but I didn't. You you're active on social media. Do you like it or do you is it part of the gig? Uh
1: depends on the day. Okay. Depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a lot. You you have to really go in with rhino skin. Right. You have to really like what I would say about fame, and I think social media is is really a, is a big extension of this is that it 's like it 's like letting termites into the house right you have to like even when it 's good news, even when it 's all love and adoration you 're allowing people in to eat at your foundation right and if you 're not careful, you can wake up one day with a with a house with made a hole tissue in the wall. paper yeah That's not a even a metaphor, metaphor. With like with like no foundation yeah, yeah. scary that 's why people end up on you know terrible you know, on like celebrity rehab or right. on like, get me out of here. I'm a celebrity. It's like right. you've, you've given away all your entire sense of self yeah. to other people. Scary. Terrifying.
0: And you, I bet you see it around. Acting. Do you want to do
1: more of it? Do you think about it a lot? <clears throat> do you think? Do you follow the breakdowns and like? Oh, I want oh, to get in there. Oh my god, no! Right. Um, I no. I I I don't miss the career of acting at all. Mm-hmm. I don't miss. I mean, I mean, I sometimes miss the phone call like you got the job. But right. who doesn't miss that? I'll, like, I can uh, call, you know, call you that. I'll yeah, just call you. that every once in a while. And, and I, I still get that. that with work. I still get right. that with like well, you, you sold the show. Yeah, or, you know that's good. Um. Uh. I I miss the moments between. Um action and cut. Yeah. I miss that high wire act of of living vulnerably vulnerably in front of a camera with another person. Yeah. I miss that. That's it.
0: How does being an actor affect when you bring people into actors in for the show for casting? Uh I, I love th- actors. Just having directed some short films and stuff, I, I love them. I appreciate I admire what they can do. And when somebody comes in and they're the guy, it's so exciting. It's thrilling.
1: It's yeah. absolutely thrilling. I think I have incredible um, empathy for what actors yeah. do and what I'm asking them to do, and you know, I, you're probably not the, a dick. I'm not. I'm generally not a dick. I'm a dick if you're if you're super unprepared or disrespectful yeah. to the process or being indulgent. Right. I, that I don't have a lot of patience or tolerance for that. Right. But um. But I'm. I know. I, I. Everyone will tell you during the testing process for this show, especially the young kids. You know, seeing 17 year olds and 18 year olds put themselves out in this way and get to the level where they're on, they're close to getting a big, big job and then possibly not getting it. I would go out before every screen test and to talk to the end. I would say, listen, For I want you to all to know, I, listen, I just want you guys to know okay. you are amazing. Okay. and you are winners, and you would not be here if you were not fantastic. And I'm like, by this point, I'm always sobbing. Because there's I some like, that aren't
0: going to get picked.
1: Because, well, only one of them is going to get the job. And yeah. I'm always, like, trying to just communicate, like, it, it isn't about you, it's about the job. And those are two different things. And I just, you know, and you're you're fantastic and you're talented and you're doing it all right. It doesn't, it just, right. n- none of this matters or has yeah. anything to say about who you are as a human being. So, and my, everyone was always like... Yes, I do mean, have the, to do I, that. Yes, I do, I, have, yes, to do, I do have to do that. Exactly. And
0: then it's, will you accept this rose? Yeah. Like, All right. What card do you, what cards you got? You, you pick. You pick. Okay. You, you, you pick. I, we we could much, do like, a lightning round you could just answer really fast. Okay, go. What kind of feedback do you often get from auditions, job interviews? Actors
1: must um, get feedback. My feedback was always like, we love him. He's fantastic. We're going to test him, but he's not the guy. <laughs> I, was, I was number two for more jobs than oh, you can imagine. Focus. And I, to, before Chris Folk, I literally, like, a, a month or two before Chris Folk, I remember calling my best friend in tears, just being like, when am I going to be number one? When am I going to be number one? And what I realized was I was a perfect actor. You couldn't ever deny that I could do the job and that I was talented. Right. But I was never the guy. Like, it was so, I was the perfect actor to pair with the guy you wanted to get the job. I made you look good, but I was a, but it was a safe bet the other guy was going to get the okay, job. I so. uh, Did Damn. you ever think about packing it in? Uh, what was the closest did, to, like, I'm out? I think, I mean, there was a point I had $30,000 in credit card debt, yeah. and I had been number two for just a 1,000 yeah. jobs. And, you know, I, the one thing is I have this amazing support circle, these amazing yeah. friends. We all went to acting school together and, and the, the great people we've, we've drawn to us through the years. But where we celebrated... Every success. And even the successes that didn't, like, we would celebrate screen tests. You know, what yeah. what I mean? like, dude, you were out of the 10,000 guys who were right for that job, yeah. you were one of the final three. That's awesome. You know, you were number two. And I know that sucks, but one day you're going to be number one. Yep. You're in the game. So we, we celebrated that stuff. So it, that kept me going.
0: Love it. Um, what's your favorite waste of time? Masturbation. Okay. Me too. Me too. It's, I just, it's, really, let's uh, be honest. If I, know, I it's just fantastic. boom down the rabbit hole and,
1: oh, that went in an hour. I
0: know. I have a theory that Tyler Perry doesn't have X-Tube. Right. That's why he, he can make... That's he why he does 45 TV shows. He, he doesn't he know boxer. it. He doesn't know... He doesn't know
1: that there's X-Tube. Right. What was your worst audition? Um, uh, early in my career, I got very close to getting a show. Um, there was It was like a snappy assistant in yeah. some... I can't remember. I was some sitcom, and it was a snappy assistant. And I went in, and I read it, and I did me, and I was great. And I went away, and I watched an episode of Frasier. And, and like... I went back and basically did a combo platter, Kelsey Grammer, David Hyde Pierce imitation. That was not me. That was nothing like what I had done in the first audition. And, I, I went from like, like uh, like get it yourself to like, get it yourself. <laughs> like, I went and like, I completely like. You, you fully, were
0: contaminated by Frasier. I was
1: contaminated by Frasier. And but did I, you and
0: willingly I, contaminate yourself with Fraser? Yeah, well,
1: like, I was like, I was, like this is funnier. This is going to be yeah. funnier. I'm going to do what they do because they're yeah. so brilliant. And right. like, it was so inauthentic and so contrived. And they were, the cat, I will never forget the look on the cast director's face. It was like, Who brought me in to, you know, basically saying, "I think we found the guy," and the producers be looking like, and the the cast director being like, "Thank you." Get out, oh, you fucking idiot. What the fuck and I just kept, and I, I remember desperately being like, get me back in the room. Yeah. I'll do it the old way. I'm going to get defrauded yeah.
0: and I'll be right back. Yeah. In. yeah, nope, didn't happen. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Because you've done a ton of
1: theater. I did do a ton of theater, but, the, but I think the worst story ever is one of the first, I did a show in the 10th grade. I did Tom Sawyer, by the way. I honestly wouldn't tell the story because I played Injun Joe in okay. Tom Sawyer in 10th grade, which like cracks me up because now that would not be acceptable.
0: Now, I played one of the Asian guys in Anything Goes. You you know great, in oh, Thomas? yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, I was in I danced and I had a bunch right, of, other but you parts. were like, but you, then I popped up yeah. and maybe I put something on uh, my face. Maybe you wore some of my makeup. Maybe I did. Maybe I did.
1: Maybe I wore a yellow pancake. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe I did. You know. I mean, it was more of like a brown I, you know. I did um Geisha drag on Chris Hulk. Yeah. And by the way, I consider myself a fairly enlightened prog- social yeah. progressive, and I was like, I look back on that and go, like, oh, that was bad. That yeah. was not. That was not cool. Yeah. But, but when I... I was playing in okay, and I fell off a plat, like a ten foot platform, Shit. and. All basic. I didn't break my arm, but I all but broke my arm, right. and I and and but I still finished the show. There but you mostly, did I just wanted to talk about how I shouldn't yes. be playing Engine Joe. That I was know. bad. Who were your teen crushes? Sean Cassidy. I wasn't teen. It was preteen. I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah, five. Yeah. Five or six, and I remember throwing a temper tantrum in the uh, aisle at the grocery store because my grandmother would not buy me Tiger Beat with um, with wow. Sean Cassidy on the cover. And then and then I moved to Hollywood. Yeah. And one of my earliest auditions was for Sean because he does he, producing he, he produces games now. There? Yeah. And did I, I like uh, no, but I did I wa- I had to like I was walking across the lot going to audition for yeah. Cover Me, and I like get to the bungalow where I'm supposed to audition. Yeah. And I see that it's like Sean Castor Productions and I was literally had to like run away and like geek out and call my best friend and be like, you hey, do just happened right to me. Yes. Oh my God. And I have had my freak out and then I had to sneak around to the, his office and outside and look through the window and like look at him and make, and like make sure I could handle it. Right. Like I had to see him first and go, okay, all right, he looks like him he looks exactly like him it's crazy right but like okay alright I'm good and then I went in and I got the job I didn't get to do it but I got the job
0: good for you favorite Sean Cassidy
1: song um Oh wow, that's good. I don't. You I know actually don't scare. even. It is. I don't even know Houdini. Yeah. I, I mean, I, probably you say Sean Castellan, All I think is to do, do run run. Of course. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's classic. But it does it. But even you just like saying to do run run. It like gives me like a warm feeling in my solar plexus.
0: I once had a videotape of a concert he did, and he peeled off his tight spandex pants, and he had another pair underneath. Stop it. Can you fucking deal? Stop it. Anyway, remember they used to wear the tightest pants back in the day. Yes,
1: they did. Have you ever been starstruck? Uh, yes. Okay. I was, uh, in Venice, Italy, um, staying at, at the, this is just a humble brag story. Right. Um, but, uh, staying at the Cipriani and during the Venice Film Festival and in the little bar at the Cipriani, which is roughly the size of this office that we're in, the tiniest, tiniest bar. Um, it was opening at the Venice Film Festival. So all of a sudden, like every celebrity, A-list celebrity in the world is in one room. And yeah. I'm not making this up as like Denzel and uh, Tom and I think it was Penelope at the time and right. Tom and Rita and yeah. Ryan Philippi and Reese Witherspoon yeah. and like on and on and on. I mean, I'm mean, i not even kidding you. Like literally every yeah. A-list celebrity. And, and I was like, if they dropped a bomb in this place, Hollywood would cease to exist. Like right. it was crazy. But I was fine. I was all fine. We were. I was on a TV show. Whatever. I know, I'm not a, I know I'm not a movie star, but whatever. I work. I'm a working actor. I'm right. fine. And then Meryl Streep came in. Yeah. And I got so flustered and so like flushed and uncomfortable, I ended up just leaving. I just left. I just was like, no good comes of this. Yeah. The either I embarrassed I myself. myself. <laughs> I embarrass myself by saying like I, I am an actor too. Yeah. Have you just, heard of television scripts, Folk? Right. Like oh, like I just embarrass myself that way, or I go over and I'm too a few. So like I was like, I, I I have to go. So I left.
0: That said, I'm concerned
1: about Ricky and the Flash. Uh I'm, but I'm there opening night. No, I don't. I'm afraid. I I'm, am afraid. You know, and well, let's face it, we've all been traumatized by Mamma Mia. Yeah. That, that, that I remember that. the
0: outfit screening of Mamma Mia and everyone was looking around like, is this happening? It, it was, was mostly this. Pierce Bro- when Pierce Lee Brons- That Pierce duet
1: Bronson. between them is one of the worst moments in <laughs> cinematic history. Oh my god. Yeah. Huge hit though. I know. There you go. How did you learn the facts of life? Um... Uh oh my my mother was like a 70s Uber right. feminist nice. so there were like you know co- literally on the coffee table on the low japanese coffee table that we would sit around on pillows for dinner <laughs> right. um there were copies of like our bodies ourselves right. and things like that so there was always like um you know there was always literature and children's literature about the facts of life so i was very very early on i remember i had a book called you know where did i come from do you remember where did i come from yeah the drawing the cartoon like drawing book it. that was a good one and so and and what's happening to me I remember reading that long before anything was happening to me, so that's why I learned the facts of life from our bodies ourselves. I love
0: it. Um, when you were on Chris Folk, how did being on that show affect dating?
1: Um, did it? Did it? It did. I think. Uh it made it harder. I was. Which think. people were always like, "Well, you were on TV. People must have wanted to uh, fuck you." And I was like, "I," but I'm playing a big, like a great big queen, right? And as we all know. Effeminacy is 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 you know the 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 mark of the great undesirable at least in our generation of gay men. Right. I think that has shifted quite a bit in the generation below us, but I, I think effeminacy is it, 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 it was it was it was deemed unattractive by such a large percentage of the community, and I had become the face of it. Right. You know, and so I think a lot of guys didn't know how to sort of give me a chance and just kind of get to know me as Peter. They were just assumed I was Emmett. And did that, you
0: ever? So. Try to put something on to counteract it. Totally, myself well, because that first, would be a that would be a
1: drag too. For the first You're few like, oh, years, I'm not even being
0: myself now.
1: Yes, and for the first few years, like also just a public persona, I was like, okay. I would, I, you know, I dressed more conservatively yeah. than Peter. Look dressed. At these mo- motorcycle boots, uh, Yes, I like I always wanted to be kind of telling a different story, and this was back when I sort of still was thinking like acting is going to be my full career and I need to diversify my portfolio. I was just trying to get people to start to see something else in me, see some other colors. But what an exhausting process that was. Isn't it great to be
0: like running the show now and, and sort of that's something you can do sometimes, but it's not
1: the whole thing. It's pretty great.
0: I love it. I'm I'm proud of
1: you. Thank you. I'm I'm impressed with
0: you. I think you're cool. I like when you stand up for what you believe in. Um, Do you have a motto? Do you have words that you
1: live by? Um, no, I don't really have a motto. I, I have some things. I think. I mean, one one is sort of tell stories no matter the media. I know that's our mission statement that's for my right. company. But I'm a bit of a workaholic, and I do I do think that what we say matters. I yeah. do think I do think we get to um, it, at, at the very least influence the the story that's right. being told about all of us right. in any way, shape, or form. Um, I am a firm believer that like I, something I try to remember at least is like is this going to matter on my deathbed? Yeah. And if it's not, then probably time Somebody was talking it. about
0: the difference between resume values and, um, uh, eulogy values. Hmm. Like, there's things that are That's on your resume, but nobody's going to talk about it at your funeral. Yeah. Uh, it's the other stuff. So. Um, do you have a, if I ask you what's your favorite souvenir from Queer as Folk is, would you have an answer? Don't say it. Uh... Yes. Something you kept. Okay, we're going to tease that. I'm going to write up a little blurb to plug this for Frontiers okay, uh, for their website. And so if you want to know Peter's answer to that, go to <laughs> FrontiersMedia.com, and I'll, I'll ask you that after we hang up. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. What, um, what kept you from going crazy and navigating Hollywood?
1: Um, friends. Yeah, friends—the people who just who get it, who get you, and who see the eternal in you, who see the constant in you. You know what I mean? Whether, whether you're up or down, whether you're up or down, who see the you in you, and who you know who call you on it when you're being a douche, uh, you know, big Hollywood douchebag, and who celebrate you when you're when you're when you're reckoning with the fact that you need to get another day job. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, fuck a duck. I just got chills. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Peter. I'll let you get back to work and watch The Fosters. We're in the
1: middle of... Yeah, you're, we're ending right now. I, mean, I don't know when this is going up, but yeah, we're it'll ending... Go up in the next day or so. Uh, yeah. We're ending... Yeah, we, we're coming up on... This, this, actually, Monday is off. Okay. So you're getting the nice three-episode run-up to the um, mid-season finale, which I just directed, and I'm super proud of. It's one of our best episodes of Do the Do you love whole directing? It's my favorite thing. It's
0: like having the wonderful dolls, and you just get to play with them. No,
1: I don't want to call them dolls. That's not... That's not... That's doing a terrible, dis-service. terrible disservice dis, uh, to, the, to the beautiful people that come and share their souls with us. But yeah. I... I it is the closest thing to how I innately think yeah to me that big picture solve the problem and and articulate the story that's that is who I am at my core
0: love it awesome thank you so much I'll let you get back to work you're the best all right you're the best thank Thank you you. all right Bye. bye thanks again to Peter Page make sure you watch The Fosters as it builds up to its third season, halfway point finale. I don't know. When did the dividing of seasons start? I think I blame Mad Men for that, but it could be somebody else's fault. I don't know. Anyway, watch The Fosters. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so this happened. Um, I want to talk about Outfest, which I love, the LA Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. I think my favorite night of it was seeing the director's cut of 54, the movie from the late 90s um, out in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery with some friends and snacks from Trader Joe's. Um, The director, Mark Christopher, got to go and recut the movie because it was plagued with uh, reshoots and stuff at the time it came out. And he got to make the movie he always wanted. And I really loved it. I remember seeing the original when it came out and liking things about it, but I think it was sort of not exactly what what people wanted to make and they were trying to save it and beef up stuff. It was kind of a mess, probably. I haven't watched it since then, but I, now I want to. But this new version is... It's all about the young people. It's about Ryan Phillippe, who is so breathtakingly beautiful, it's distracting, and, Breck and Meyer and Selma Hayek, and they're like this little love triangle. And to me, it was about young, beautiful people being corrupted by jaded... The horny older vampire people like it's can your friendships and your idealism and your youthful hope survive this crazy disco world so it's uh, out on iTunes now I would definitely recommend checking it out it's a totally different movie and I've been trying to get Mark Christopher to do the podcast but we haven't been able to coordinate it but I'll keep on that and uh, it's definitely worth a check out and the music's great come on that, that if you could read my mind remake man awesome alright